Saints, we, we have a, a, a special surprise for you because um, we, we wanted, um, I mentioned last week that uh, after the service we're going to have a, a, a workshop because we're wanting to really delve into some of the concepts that we've been discussing through the Workplace Series, just looking at the life of Joseph and, and the different phases of life that he found himself in and, and what we may glean from that. And, and one of the special ways that we wanted to do that in the service um, uh, today uh, is to host uh, a panel of people that represent uh, these, these, different, these different phases. And, and so we wanted to have some people who could speak to us from their own uh, experiences and just share some of the testimonies around um, what God has done for them, the level of faithfulness that they've had to press into, the promotion that they've seen, etc. And John, John got us going with, with, with his testimony in this and there's, uh, there's more to follow. But before, before we get into that, I just, um, just want to highlight, uh, maybe you missed some of, uh, some, of the, some of the weeks, and if you did, I want to encourage you to get the podcast just so that you can enjoy um, the full experience and get the full perspective of what we've been discussing. But um, we, we started by looking at, at Joseph as a young man, uh, receiving vision, receiving dreams, receiving purpose uh, in, 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 from God, and, and trying to navigate that, trying to process what that looks like and what could that possibly mean and, and, and him processing that a little bit unwisely and, and sharing some of, his, uh, some of the stuff that, that, that God had given him a little bit too soon and without having understood properly and, and that having a negative effect. And so God speaks to him and, and, and a lot of us have had that experience of God speaking to us and, and we receive vision, we receive purpose, we receive what we believe is our destiny. Uh, but we, we and we wake up the next day expecting, you know, uh, the fulfillment of this thing. Uh, and and when we manage our expectations, we're going, you know, in the next two years, in the next two months, two weeks, uh, God will fulfill what He has spoken over me. And and for Joseph, uh, after he'd received the vision, he ended up in a pit. He ended up being sold off um, uh, into slavery by his brothers. And so we can identify from that space of man, I received something. I thought it was powerful, and, and, and I ended up in a, in, a, in a pit. And we see how Joseph's life progresses where he gets sold into slavery, and he is serving in the house of Potiphar. And, uh, and, and this is a little bit of progression, right? So it's better than being in a pit, uh, but, but it's not exactly where he thought he would be. Uh, but, but, it, but this is great. Um, he's serving. He go, he, he's high in the ranks. He's, he's ruling the house of Potiphar. Um, he, he, and, uh, and there's a, a bit of an ethical situation um, that he faces when Potiphar's wife starts to seduce him. Um, and there's an opportunity there for Joseph to, uh, to go along with it for the sake of career, for the sake of progression. But he chooses not to. He chooses to stand for what is righteous. And it has a negative impact, right? So, so as a result of standing up for what is ethical, he, has to, he takes a step back. And, and he finds himself in a prison now. So, so he was a slave, but he, at least he was in a house, and he was in a nice house, uh, ruling over other slaves. But now he finds himself in a, in a prison, and some of us can I definitely identify with that, where you've stood for what is right, thinking that, man, if I stand for what is right, surely God will progress me. And you find you're taking a step backwards, and you find that there's people who, who, who persecute you, people who purposely block your progress, block your promotion, block your bonuses, block as, as a result of you having been the voice of righteousness. And, and through his faithfulness and the process that we see, uh, that God promotes him to the place of a prime minister, 
in, in Egypt. And this is a really short version, right, of the story of, uh, of, of, of Joseph, but, um, but it's just a summary version of what we've been through. And, and, we, and we just see that God was nurturing a vision in Joseph's life right through, right? So from the moment that he gave him the vision to the moment that he gave him the fulfillment of it, we see that there, that there, was, there was a nourishment of this vision and that it was growing. And, and that's the real thing I want to challenge um, you with and I want to leave you with, is God has got you on, on a process. God has got you, you. You can identify with one of these stages. And sometimes you can identify with almost all of them all at the same time and it feels like a bit of a whirlwind. But God has got you in a process, and the process is stewarding a vision. See, Joseph, when he got to the place of, of promise and, the, and, and, and influence and power, the vision that he had at that point far uh, superseded the vision that he started with, or at least his understanding of the vision that he started with. His understanding then was that his mother and his dad, and his dad would bow down to him and his brothers, and it's going to be awesome. He's going to be the first in the family. Um, and it progressed a little bit when he started to rule uh, a household. And it progressed a little bit when he started to rule a prison system and started to govern over a prison system. And it progressed again when God gave him uh, rulership and authority over a nation. But it progressed even more when God gave him a global vision because his purpose really was not just for the salvation of the Egyptian nation, but that other nations would come and receive salvation as a result of what God had done through him. So God is nurturing a vision through you regardless of the phase that you're in. And the way that you remain engaged in that is not by holding on to the small vision that you had when you started, but by understanding how God is using the different seasons, the different spheres to nourish and to grow that vision. So it starts with the seed, but ends up being a global, big vision that benefits many, many people. Amen. Awesome. So having said that, I just want to invite, um, I want to invite our panelists up and, and I'll introduce them. So guys, will you just come up and, 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 uh, and grab a seat? And uh, also want to uh, invite our host, uh, who's going to be facilitating Snetemba. Will, will you come up? We, we, um, we asked uh, Sne to, to, to host um, our panel uh, because she's, she's amazing. Um, and, and, she, and she graciously agreed. Um, so as they do so, yo. I thought I was gonna go on this thing with one hand, and quickly just, and then it turned out to be very heavy. <laughs> awesome. So just as they set up, so you guys can just set yourselves up. Um, just as they, as they set up, I just want to introduce you a little bit um, to to our, to our panel and just to tell you a little bit about the different spheres that they'll that they'll be um, that they'll be representing. Uh, so. Already mentioned a little bit about about Snetemba. She she'll she'll be hosting um, she'll be hosting the panel. She um, she told me that she wasn't going to uh, talk too much about herself. So I'll just mention um, that she she also carries that te that testimony of of process, that testimony of trusting God with a vision, having received something, going out into the deep, trusting God, laying it all out there, and going. Even if this feels costly, even if, even if this costs me, I'm willing um, to remain engaged uh, f so that I may see the progression and so that I may steward the vision um, that, that, um, that God carries. Uh, we, uh, Hoffi, uh, who's, who serves uh, as, one of, as one of our, of, of our leaders in, this, in, the, in the service, and, and they all do, uh, is somebody who really carries an amazing uh, testimony as far as uh, what God has done in his life. I bet he was listening to this story on Joseph and going, yes, 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 yes. Yeah. 
because re- really bearing the scars of war, and I know he won't mind me saying this, but really bearing the scars of war, having trusted God, having stepped out, lost a lot of things, lost, feel, getting to that place of feeling like, man, I, it feels like I've trusted God and I've lost everything, and I've gone backwards, um, and I've stood for what is right, and, 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 and I've landed in prison. Um, but God has he's got an amazing testimony of how God has really brought him out of that and has restored all things. And when I say all things, I mean all things that the enemy had taken from him and progressed him even more and really living a, a testimony of overflow. So really excited to have him. And, and, and Deluma next to him, um, who also serves as one of our, of, of our core leaders, somebody who, 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 who uh, has, has really grappled with the idea of vision and how God speaks to us, and what we, what we do with that. And, and, uh, and he, he's a, an entrepreneur uh, through and through, a uh, number of entrepreneurial ventures that he, that, that he uh, is, is embarking on, um, one of which being, I don't know if he'll mention it, but that he, he runs a food truck that's doing amazingly, um, and, uh, and, and, and he'll, he'll speak into some of that process and what that, what, what that, uh, what that looks like. Natasha, um, who we wanted to have on this panel because uh, she's one of those people that have, that have um, excelled um, within that HR space and have, and have really shot up. And, and she, so she's really had a front row seat to what it looks like. What do people who shoot up look like? What, so, so, so she's seen people who come into her office who, who are superstars and people who come into her office who are really not ready um, for the progress that they want. And she's able to really speak into that. And what do are, what are what are those people carry and what are the characteristics? Um, and Tendai, who's also ha- had that, that na- to navigate that space of having received vision and what do I do with it? What is the price that I'm willing to pay? Am I willing to do a bit of a, a, bit of a change down, a, a little bit of a shuffling around of my life in order to achieve the vision that I believe God um, has, has called me into? Um, and she'll share a little bit about that also. So uh, that, that's our panel. Um, and uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hand over to Snare, who's, who's, uh, who's, who's going to uh, facilitate this moment for us. But can we just make them feel welcome, and can we just celebrate them with a round of applause? Um, and take it away, Snare. Thank you so much, Pastor Lereko. Let's pray. Thank you, God, gosh, for the opportunity to co-labor with pastors and leaders in your church to share our experiences of corporate, entrepreneurial, and even academic spaces so that people may learn from us today, so that we may edify ourselves by the teaching of your word. Amen. So during the course of this series, uh, pastors and speakers who've come up on stage have done a really good job to explain the journey of Joseph in three main stages. The first stage was the prince and pros- in preparation, which was followed by the prince and process, and lastly, the prince and power. The panelists today, as Pastor Lareko has explained, um, represent milestones within that journey. And our objective is to view our individual career paths through the lens of Joseph's story and to bring kingdom application to the situations we find ourselves in in pursuit of God's ultimate purpose for our lives. I think we want to share our experiences with you, and hopefully they're applicable and they're life-changing. So let's get to it. Um, Ndulama. Nduluma, sorry. I'm going to keep saying that. Um, I apologize. I wrote it wrong in my notes, but it's Nduluma. Um, Can we speak a little bit about the prince and preparation? So we've read in Genesis 37 verse 5 that the call of Joseph's life was communicated through two dreams. There was a dream about the bundles of grain, and then there was a dream about the sun and the moon, and in both these dreams, these symbols bowed down to him. 
Um, what's interesting, though, is that although Joseph didn't have any idea of what lay ahead, all he knew was that God had placed him in a position of leadership. And I think when you look at that and you understand your own experience, can you share about how one goes about processing a vision that isn't necessarily clear? You want uh, that, that helps. Thanks, guys. All right, um, tough questions. So early in the afternoon. Uh, all right, uh, I think the, the best place to start for me would just to try and be as authentic as possible. Um, I'm from Zambia. Uh, Kambe. Hey, what? So, sorry, guys. Sorry. Uh, I've just noticed my uncle, my dad's younger brother. Oh my goodness. Uh, Uncle Kelvin and Chiwomba. Wow. Hello, hello, Uncle Kelvin. Hello. Oh, wow. I, I didn't notice that she... Oh, wow. Okay. This is a shock. Uh, my cousin Kambe is there as well. Don't worry. All of that was orchestrated by the church. Okay. Oh, wow. I only thought... I thought I was going to see you guys tomorrow. This is great. Yeah. Well done, Kambe, for bringing them to church. All right. Um, where was I? Um... Purpose and so on. Okay, so I'm from Zambia, um, and um, I would say, you know, uh, the reason I came to SA was to study. At, at, uh, I, came, I came with the intention to study medicine. Uh, so I'd, I'd, I'd done some, some uh, qualification, you know, I'd studied uh, high school, etc. in Zambia, came here with the express intent to study medicine. Um, and that didn't work out in part because, you know, well, financial issues. Uh, my parents weren't in a position to manage that. Uh, but immediately I, I hit South Africa. Uh, you know, there were a number of pitfalls and, and sort of drawbacks that I encountered, which uh, reshaped my ambition to do medicine quite significantly, uh, and which then completely threw me off in terms of you know, I'm, I'm a, an 18-year-old man trying to make my way in the world, and this is the only thing I, I thought, you know, the Lord had called me to do, but it was getting reshaped very, very quickly. Um, and so I'd say South Africa for me was like the pit that, that I'm sorry, guys, I, didn't, I don't mean to be mean, but I got, I got to keep it real. Um, that, that's been my pit for me because, you know, having all these ambitions to do all this, this particular thing, and the way it sort of veered off and, and went off the rails was something that I had to deal with. But throughout my early stages as a young person in Zambia, um, you know, I, I understood that God was calling me to do quite a number of things because I would be interested in a lot of things, just a, a genuine interest in a number of, of different things. And so, um, anyway, I, I, I understood that, that God, uh, the clarity that God puts is not always uh, something that you can establish at the beginning uh, of the process. And I think that's, that's really the point I'd like to make, that it's not something you establish at the beginning of the process. It's something that, that comes with time, with patience. Uh, but you have to be also true to who you are. So identity is very important in the journey to find out what God is calling you to do. Just, just keep it real with yourself. Just be true. You know, uh, be accountable to yourself and to God, obviously, but be accountable to you. Your, your gifts and the talents and the things that, that move and shift within you, that only you know more than the next person, if that makes sense. 
That's good. Thank you so much. I want to focus a little bit about the Princeton um, preparation. So I want to pose another question, but to Tanai this time. What does preparation look like for you? Thanks. Morning, everyone. Afternoon. So um, my journey is uh, how I went from working and loving my career to becoming a stay-at-home slash work-from-home mom. And um, I'll start with just a bit of background of how that vision got cast. Um, my husband Archie and I did our premarital preparation in this church with a couple called Ant and Phil Geard, uh, Philippa Geard, who some of you might know. And we got to spend time in their house. And what amazed me, something I'd never seen in my life, was that an educated woman could actually make the decision to stay at home. Um, it was a shock to my system because from what I knew, educated women went to work. Women who didn't go to school got pregnant before um, they finished school were the ones who stayed at home. And I suddenly encountered a woman who had done amazingly, had worked at Procter & Gamble, and suddenly she was staying at home and uh, taking care of her family. And um, that made a huge impact on Archie and I. And it's a decision we made before we got married that um, that was basically the path that we were going to take. And... Um, we got married, and between us getting married and having our son, um, we had a period of five years. We took five years just to be ourselves, but for me, it was a time of preparation because I decided that I was going to study as much as I could, and I was going to work as hard as I could, basically build my career up, not knowing what was going to happen after I had my first child, this vision to have a child, but I knew that I needed to arm myself for whatever God would prepare for me or allow me to do. Um, so we decided to start our family, and in faith, I left my job, which was my dream job. God opened the door for me to work for, I'll say, the company Deloitte, which had been, which was the ultimate for me. I got to Deloitte, and then it was time for us to start our family. And I left that job, loved the job, but decided to leave it so that I could be a stay-at-home mom. Left the job before we were actually pregnant, but we decided to do it in faith because we had made the decision having had this vision. Mm -hmm. um, so the preparation was getting my career on track, but then also leaving it and saying, God, I don't know what's going to happen, um, but I'm trusting you that you understand that I'm a woman who loves my work, but I want to be the, the mother that I, the best mother I can be, the best wife that I can be, build the home that I can build, um, in spite of what the world says. Because I think we're in a stage where the world tells you that the career is the ultimate. You know, we're women, we're educated, we're mm. supposed to be out there, make your own money, you can't depend on your husband because he might just play around and something will happen to you, so your safety net is yourself. Mm. Um, but I decided that my safety net was going to be God mm. and trust that what he says in his word is what was going to happen for me. So made the decision to become a stay-at-home mom, mm. um, left as I said, work before we knew that we were pregnant, but took the step of faith. Uh, mm. A month after I left my job, we found out that we were expecting our son. Mm. And um, <laughs> it's, it's been an amazing journey. It hasn't been easy. It's mm. felt like a prison at times um, because it's been hard. My nature is to work. My nature is to progress. I've watched my friends working. I've seen them going through their things, building their careers. But I've had to hold on to the vision of why I do what I do. I look at my son, and I see the hand of God on him. So I know that the time is not wasted. Mm. But in that, through the preparation, I've seen God's faithfulness in my own 
uh, work as well. Mm. So what I did as well um, after I left work is that um, I registered a company and decided that I was going to be a consultant awesome. um, and actually start, put myself out there with people I knew and opportunities have come for me to consult. And I've got a consultancy in South Africa and in Zimbabwe where I work from. Mm. And God has been amazing. I've had opportunities to present at conferences, a very supportive husband who's been hands-on right from the beginning. So mm. I've seen, I've been able to flourish in that way. Um, but I've also been able to hold on to the vision of being the wife and the mother that I wanted to be. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Tindai. I think the wonderful part of that and, and both of these questions is that not only do they speak about preparation, but they also actually link us into um, the prince and process. So Joseph interprets the baker and the cupbearer's dream. He gets it right, and he thinks he's found a way out of prison only to find himself sitting there for another two years and waiting. So sometimes there is this tension where we're moving a little bit forward, but then we're also moving a little bit back. But here's the thing. Something happens in Genesis 49. Jacob calls all of his sons together, and you must remember that this whole thing started with an oath that God had given to say that he would bless all of his descendants. But when Jacob is about to die, he calls all of them, including Joseph and both his sons, and he says to them, he gives them his last words. And in his last words, he's very clear to say that you will be great so many, and you will be great so many and so many in accordance with how he understands them and the prophecies that are, are, are called upon their lives. I think I want to take it to Natasha at the moment because she has that recruitment understanding and she sees a lot of people who, although we're all called to, to be great in the world, but we are, we, are, we are talented and we're equipped differently. Natasha, what are some of the characteristics of people who you see who seem to do well and, and may, maybe more so than others? Hi. Is this on? Perfect. Um, so just a, a quick bit of background. I studied psychology um, at UCT many, many years ago, and God put me in a position um, to obviously start a career in HR, and over the last eight years, the core focus of my role has been to find talent um, across the board for various clients in, in the SA market, and in terms of your question around characteristics, I think I want to preface what I'm going to say by saying as a child of God, our blueprint for what success looks like is quite different. Um, I think the world is, is quite warped. Um, the success that people often strive for is driven by things that we know are not to be consistent or congruent with the word, word of God. And, you know, it is about self-interest. How can I be better than the next person? You know, take advantage of a situation for my benefit. Um, and really, as a child of God, success is about... And, and this has been my personal experience, being obedient to what God is saying um, and being faithful with the little that he's given you. Um, I want to make it quite practical. I think the first thing is, and Duluma touched on this around, you know, spending time with God to really understand what your strengths are. Um, I think the world tries to tell us what we should be. Um, and God, who in Psalm 139 has formed us in our mother's wombs, has a clear blueprint. Um, and before we attain to titles, etc. cetera, um, our, our life is meaning and purpose right from the beginning. And so people who, and I guess in the world of, of human resources, have self-awareness, I've found to, to be people that are successful because knowing what your strengths are, what your talents are, you know, how God has formed you, allow you to focus on a specific thing. 
Um, and God continues to be all about transforming lives and the spheres of influence that we're in. And your strengths can be things that God uses to specifically speak into particular areas. Mm. Um, and the second thing is, um, I think, around you know, having somebody who will rally around you. So a lot of people will engage with a coach and mentor, um, and that individual really helps you navigate the, the workspace. And, you know, again, constantly puts in front of you the opportunity to focus on things that are going to play to your strengths. And I think that's a, a really practical thing. Um, and also, I think the third thing is, is continuous learning. Um, I think what's really important, certainly as a Christian, is to know what our strengths are and be committed, focused, and disciplined to forging a path that speaks to that. So if you're in education, be the best teacher that you can be. Um, if you're in music and the arts, if you're an engineer, you know, God will give you kingdom solutions to worldly problems. And so those three things I've, I've found, um, you know, people in the world tap into, mm -hmm. but certainly, you know, those are the practical things that I've found to, to bring about success for Christians specifically. That's awesome. Natasha, another question for you. And I think this is tricky because people know this doesn't really exist. But we'll, quote, we'll pose a question anyway. How do you maintain a good work-life balance so that you can prioritize your relationship with God? So, confession time. Um, having had two kids in the last four years, I, I don't know what work-life balance means. Um, and, you know, there's a school of thought that really tries to shift things from work-life balance because I think that assumes that, you know, it's all or nothing. You know, something's got to give. And, um, you know, psychologists, practitioners within human resources are really talking about work-life integration. Um, and what that has meant for me is, you know, spending time and working with God to actually align what I do and the time that I spend with the priorities that I feel he's given me for a particular season. And we all know, you know, as Christians, without God, we can't do anything. And so the work-life integration for me has really been about, you know, God, your word says that if I seek you first, you will align everything else. Um, and, yeah, in terms of the confession, I think, you know, prior to having kids, being newly married and um, forging a career, there was a lot more time. Um, and with the changing seasons, I've had to learn, you know, that God's grace is sufficient um, in whatever season, but, you know, spending as much time with him as often as I can. Mm. Um, and I've been in bathrooms praying for colleagues um, I've been listening to kind of audio Bible, you know, mm. on the way to, um, to work um, and really just trusting God that, you know, in those moments that I'm spending with him on a consistent basis versus, you know, a two-hour quiet time in the morning, mm. that he's able to speak to me through that. So I think, yeah, just being real and honest and, and just allowing God to invade your space and, and give you that time, which will look different as one goes through various seasons. Mm. That's excellent. So fast forward to the prince in power. Joseph is second in command to Pharaoh. He's given kingdom strategy by God when it's most needed. He's instrumental in the growth of Egypt into an economic superpower. And through this process, he actually establishes Pharaoh as the first the person who's in charge of all of the land and all of the livestock and even all of the money across the world, um, apart from the that, that belong to the priests, because that needs to be kept safe. But the point is that 
In everything that Joseph did, he wasn't actually pastoral. He didn't decide to lead a group of people and, and the basis of what he was teaching was God, but every bit of his actions looked like God. And I think I want to pose this question to Hoffi because um, we want to understand that even though we're not all called to be ministers, that we have a personal ministry that we share and that it can be lived out in the work that we do every day. So my question to you is, what does kingdom advancement look like to you in your workspace and in your current situation? Um, thank you. I, I thought the question was going to get easier as, we, as we're going along. So, <laughs> so, so while you were asking the question, I quickly jotted down a couple of notes. To, <laughs> um, I think I think the first first thing and it's very true um, in in I think in a corporate world it, it moves fairly quickly and you, and you work with people from all kinds of life um, and there's not always um, time to to be the, the minister but um, a very very important thing that as God promotes us and as as we are growing spiritually it becomes our, our time with God becomes our individual time with God becomes extremely extremely important. Um, and, and we'll look into those notes. So, so the first thing is, um, it starts with morning time. I, 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 you know, it's like breath. I can't start the morning. I can't go to a meeting. I can't um, engage if I don't engage God first and, and, and settle there and get my strength there and then start. So that's very important and, and, and for obvious reason. Then secondly, it is to allow God to work. Um, and what I mean is we carry God inside of us. So I've seen him. Um, if we prepare and if, if we carry him inside of us and we're prepared and we go into a boardroom meeting, God is an is a, a atmosphere changer. I've, I've, I've seen we walk into very antagonistic or very unfocused meetings and he's got a way if you allow him the time. So you've got to go to the meeting. Um, so it's important to be there. And if you sit there and, and you're quiet, um, he allows the atmosphere to change when you start speaking. The whole atmosphere changes. So he's, he's a God, he's an atmosphere changer. Um, the next thing is he's a creator. Um, God is, is, is a creator and an innovator. Um, so I've, I've, we've, got, we've, we've got to ask him and we've got to walk as innovators and as um, um, creators um, in, into situations. So, so I find him to be very entrepreneurial to see new opportunities and new ideas in every situation that, that we walk in. He allows you to see things with different eyes that other people don't see. The frustration of it is, is that you don't understand why other people don't, don't see that, but he is a creator. That's his character. Um, and, and then the, 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 the third thing in terms of time, he reconciles relationships. And business is all about relationships. So if you carry God within yourself, if you can reconcile relationships, um, you will be a successful entrepreneur or business person, you, but you've got to carry God within yourself to, to be that. That is his character. He's relational, and he changes and he reconciles relationships. Um, I think the third point is to be, um, as I started and said, the corporate stuff work, um, works. It's extremely fast. It's fast-paced, and, and, uh, and I have the privilege to also mentor into, into CEOs' lives, um, and, and it's very, uh, the time is of essence. So um, the third point is to be permanent on God to minister mm. because the window of opportunity presented to yourself is 30 seconds or minutes. So you don't have time to be in long preparation what you're going to say to the guy because they are so busy. When the window opens, you can minister. I, I just want to give you an example this week. Mm -hmm. I minister a, a CEO um, in one of the diamond companies and, and the guy had 
terrible. He had an attack from Michelle this this week. And, and as I'm mentoring over the phone and sending him stuff in order how to deal with it legally and how to deal with it as a shareholder and as a director and as a CEO, um, early in the week I had a scripture that came and it was one of the scriptures of a day. And I just could send this to him and say, be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid um, of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. I had 30 seconds to think of that and send mm, it in. Mm. And that was the ministry. And, awesome. and then just the last one is, is to say um, um, there's a writer called Bob Sorge, which I, I, I had to use when I went through my, 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 my difficult times, who wrote the book Pain, Perplexity, and Promotion. The last thing is, is that as God promotes us and lifts us into a higher area, um, it's as if we are lifted spiritually into higher mountains, where the mountains are sharp mm. and where the air is thin. And we've got to, in those situations, walk with Christ on our right hand, and with the Holy Spirit under our wings. Mm -hmm. Because if we fall there, the rocks are sharp, and the air is thin, and we will die. So yeah. we are become more dependent on walking with God the higher we are promoted and the higher. So, so, so um, yeah. we become more dependent. Yeah. And I think those are the four, four um, key lessons for me in terms of how to walk um, there. That's awesome. So good, Hafi. So we have one more question. I think I want to take it back to Nduluma since we started with him. And um, the question is, how do you guard against distractions that try to intercept the journey of pursuing God's purpose? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I realized I needed to say this uh, in context very quickly. Um, so, so South Africa being the pit, that doesn't include my wife because she... <laughs> She was, she, was, she was what took me out of the pit in many ways. Uh, so thanks, babe. Um, I probably came to SA to meet you primarily. I, I'm saying that because God works in, in, in fantastic ways. Sometimes, you know, we, we plan things and we lay things out in, you know, uh, in, to like, I don't know, the, the T. But God, like, like Joseph, you know, you, you go off on a different route, but then God has an ultimate plan for you. Uh, which looks way more beautiful than what you'd have orchestrated mm. yourself. Yeah. Distractions are, are many, especially for me, because I'm um, inclined, uh, a bit of a weird one. Uh, I have artistic sort of inclinations, mm. um, and, and in that space alone, that's like a distracted space, <laughs> you know? Mm. So you really have to guard against that. I think it helps to have an OCD wife who will who, who keep you to, uh, you know, to schedules, um, I think it's just also important to really always tap into in any given situation, just tap into your strength, what, uh, what, what you bring to the table, you know, uh, and it helps you, it helps lay things out because, you know, I shouldn't concern myself with that. That's not an area that I'm, I'm particularly strong in. And so then you, you congregate the right talent in that space. Uh, and then you just focus on the things that, that you know you're really good at. And, and it's, it's quite interesting. I always go back to that. I always go, why shouldn't I should have just focused on what I know I'm very good at? Yes. I, would have, I would have, you know, um, alleviated a lot of the, of, of the distractions. So I think it's just an important thing to really keep, mm -hmm. keep focused on. You know, and the things that my mother always tells me that, you know, the way I'm turning out now is she could see it when I was a kid. So we're quite consistent in that way, you know. We, we display certain tendencies that, that they just need the right shaping, but that's what God has put in you. So don't be afraid of your ambition, by the way. God is not like, oh my goodness, now he, she's dreaming about that. What do I do with that? You know, God is not like, oh, I, I can't handle this ambition. Yeah. <laughs> like God is bigger than 
all of our ambitions times other people's ambitions. You know what I mean? So, uh, but we need to take that to him uh, and say, okay, God, is this dream for now? Is this dream for, should I wait it out? You know, uh, should, I, should I stay with this? Should I abandon this? And God, God is faithful. He will, he will speak to that. And he will answer you. I wish we could take more questions um, from the panelists, but because of time, we can't. Um, but if you don't need to, please don't rush off. There's a workshop upstairs that Pastor Lyrica has explained, and all of the panelists will be around so that you can delve into uh, some of the things that we spoke about today that we couldn't get to because of time. One thing that I do want to say is that this is a very important topic, and I love it when the church rallies around getting into important topics out there. Um, it's important for us as individuals, and it's important um, as a church because it settles in our minds the overarching vision that God has for all of us. And I think that it also gives us a glimpse of the responsibility that lies on our shoulders, particularly those people who God has called to be great. And also, it, it, it almost... Um, reiterates this never-failing love that he has and that he shows us in the journey and the process of getting to where we need to go. So I wonder if we could just close in prayer. Thank you, Lord, for the time that we've spent in your presence. Thank you for the lessons that you've shared through the panelists. Establish the work of our hands, O oh Lord, so that every seed we plant is harvest for you and your kingdom. Challenge us, Father God, to hear the sound of your calling, to follow it relentlessly, and to know that as we do, we carry your light with us, we carry your strategy with us, we carry your anointing with us in every room, in every place that we may find ourselves. Deposit in our hearts, Father God, the honor and the bravery and the boldness to call you God. Amen.